This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. David, it's a beautiful day here in the South. Uh, our rain is over for the next week or so. It's going to be in the 90s, and that means the garden should be growing super well. I'm Leaps and bounds. Leaps and bounds say. this week. We had a nice drenching rain. Uh, David, I hope you enjoyed uh, our America's uh, birthday on July 4th. I did very much. Uh, so. I celebrated by running the Peachtree Road Race, the largest 10K in the known universe. You ran it? I ran it with 57,000 of my closest friends. Uh, wow. And I almost set a personal record. Uh, you know, a 10K, of course, is 6.2 miles. Uh, and if I had run 6.2 miles, I would have set my personal record. But my GPS tells me I ran 6.46 miles, dodging all the people that were walking, <laughs> suddenly stopping, walking next to three other people, blocking the road. I mean, it's the Peachtree is more of an obstacle course than it is a road race. Uh, but I did run it. In, my goal was under an hour. I mean, I'm not fat. I'm not, the guys that want it run it like in 27 minutes. Uh, but under an hour for me is really good. I run it in 60 minutes and 32 seconds. Wow, that's great. But I ran an extra .2 miles. So yeah, well, how's your how's your foot doing? The ankle's fine. The ankle's good, and uh, I, I'm in I'm in excellent shape in that regard. Yeah. So you know what? The poor guy. But it rained the entire time. Did it? Yeah, and you saw the winner, the winner slash loser. Yeah, yeah. The guy looked over his shoulder. Oh, I can coast in, and the guy just picked up speed. And beat him by a microsecond. Yeah, it was like uh, yeah. 9900s or Yeah, and the guy who actually won did a little text, a little tweet. He said something like, uh, always run through the finish. <laughs> that, that, uh, That's a good point. It was interesting. We're, I know one, obviously one was an American. He's an Air yeah. Force pilot. Right. And who was the other guy? He's a Brit. He's Brit? a Brit, yeah. That's got to be a first for the no, Well, not a first, but we had a lot of Kenyans win here. Yeah. Uh, Kenyans are longer distance runners. So, um, but that guy, by jogging at the end, by slowing down, he lost ten thousand dollars. Wow! But he's, he, I guess, he's a marathon racer anyway. Yeah, so he'll be fine. He'll be fine. Second, place I can't imagine home. running that in a ten six miles in twenty seven minutes. I mean, uh, that is close. That's under five minutes, of course, per mile. I mean, it's four minutes and change per mile. <laughs> Not a chance. I can't um, do that on my stationary bicycle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, David. So now, I, I did want to bring something up. The garden, by the way, is going good. I'm excited about the garden uh, and looking forward to eating some more uh, squash casserole because I'm sure I have 10,000 squash down there. Um, David, I want to say two words to you. Donald Trump. <laughs> even, Don, even David's laughing. Um, Dave, you have to explain to me why is he so attractive to people in in certain parts of the Republican Party? Why is he number two in the polls to the GOP? Do people really believe he would be an effective president of the United States? Are you asking? Me? I am asking you. I'm asking you. I, I think the real answer to that is, you know, and obviously he's caught. Tremendous flack for his statements regarding. Uh, oh, the, we're going to get into that in a second, but. But um, I mean, just take that off the table. That being said, I, no, I think I think people are so sick and tired of hearing the garbage that comes out of the mouth of the professional politicians on both sides of the fence, and I don't think anybody 
I don't think anybody really takes him seriously as a candidate, but right now he's just he's sort of, for lack of better words, a, a breath of fresh air. Whether you want it, you don't so want he he is the Michelle Bachman of 2016, is what you're telling me. Uh, I don't know that I I think Michelle was a lot better looking than Donald, <laughs> and, and her hair looked. She has real hair. She has real hair. But you know, I think, and and there's there's. There's a feeling that, uh, you know, like this thing in San Francisco. Uh, We're going to get into that, too, uh, yeah. You know, and, and I think there's another one since then. Um, between Well, always going to have that. I mean, that's sure. a, yeah. But, you know, and I, I, think, um, I, I think Trump is looked at just like uh, uh, just something fresh, sort of. And I, but I don't think... Well, don't if that's fresh, David, I, I better get back in the garden because <laughs> I don't know what fresh is. I, this actually is not fresh. This is the same nativist crap we've heard since the 1840s. Um, now, you, you heard, of course, heard what Donald said in his opening statement as the yeah. presidential candidate. Um, and you've seen since then that he said things like, oh, I didn't know the backlash would be like this. But, you know... Donald Trump is not one to ever acknowledge that Donald Trump has ever made a mistake. Uh, he's going to be like Bob Dole talking in the third person here. So he actually tripled down today, David. He tripled down. He issued a written statement so you could see that what he said before was not um, misquoted. Here's what he actually said. His new written statement. I don't see how there is any room for misunderstanding or misinterpretation of the statement I made on June 16th. Here is what I said, and yet this statement is deliberately distorted by the media. When Mexico, meaning the Mexican government, because he actually is trying to clarify, sends its people, they're not sending the best. They're not sending you, pointing to the audience. They're not sending you, pointing again, they're sending people that have lots of problems, and they're bringing those problems to us. They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime. They're rapists. And some, I assume, are good people. But I speak to border guards, and they tell us what we're getting, and it only makes sense. They're sending us not the right people, and it's coming from more than Mexico. It's coming from all over South and Latin America, and it's coming probably from the Middle East. But we don't know. Because we have no protection, and we have no competence, and we don't know what's happening, and it's got to stop, and it's got to stop fast. That's what he said in the presidential mail. Now, now, David, it gets better. Here's what he says further. What can be simpler or more accurately stated? The Mexican government is forcing their most unwanted people into the United States. They are, in many cases, criminals, drug dealers, rapists, etc. Whatever that is. This new crime, etc. This was evident just this week when, as an example, a young woman was viciously killed by a five-time deported Mexican with a long criminal record who was forced back into the U.S. because they didn't want him in Mexico. This is merely one of thousands of similar incidents throughout the United States. In other words, the worst elements of Mexico are being pushed into the U.S. by the Mexican government. The largest suppliers of heroin, cocaine, and other illicit drugs are Mexican cartels that arrange to have Mexican immigrants trying to cross the border and smuggle in drugs. The Border Patrol knows this. Likewise, tremendous infectious disease is pouring across the border. The United States has become a dumping ground for Mexico, and in fact, for many parts of the world. 
And in, on the other hand, many fabulous people come in from Mexico, and our country is better for it. But these people are here illegal, are legally and are severely hurt by those coming in illegally. I am proud to say I know many hardworking Mexicans. Many of them are working for me, with me, just like our country. My organization is better for it. By the way, article in the Washington Post today. The new Trump building and uh, hotel in Washington, D.C. They interviewed a bunch of workers going in. About a half a dozen of them were undocumented. Just saying, David. He's definitely got friends working for him who are Mexican undocumented. The Mexican government wants an open border as long as a one-way border into the U.S. Not only are they killing us at the border, they are killing us on trade. And the country of Mexico is making millions of dollars doing so. I have great respect for Mexico and love their people and their people's great spirit. The problem is, however, their leaders are far more smarter. And I will tell you, you can ask a Mexican whether they think that's true, and they'll tell you no. More cunning and better negotiators than ours. To the citizens of the United States, I will represent far better than anyone else's president. The Mexican government is not our friend. And why they should be when the relationship is totally one-sided in their favor on both illegal immigration and trade. Blah, 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 blah. Wow, David. That's, that's quite the doubling down. You know what? There's just one thing really missing uh, from this that I think would be really important from the point forward, um, and that would be facts. Now, he did point out to this tragic situation in San Francisco. Let's look at what happened there. This guy, a convicted felon, uh, had been deported from the U.S. five times is what the word is, and had been arrest by, arrested by the San Francisco police at some point and then released by the San Francisco police because they have a policy that they don't re- necessarily recognize the ICE, the general detainer that ICE puts on people. Now, there's a reason that the city of San Francisco does not recognize that, and that is in the Ninth Circuit and the federal district court in San Francisco, the federal judges have ruled that the detainer is not a requirement that can be used to actually detain anybody without there being probable cause behind the detainer. So what San Francisco position is, is the ICE did not say why. They said, hey, we generally might be interested in this guy, but not saying why. Now, if they issue a detainer that says, this man is deported from the U.S. because he has been deported seven times and is a felon, then they typically hold the person. As do, like the city of Atlanta, Fulton County has the same policy. Not a sanctuary policy, it follows federal court guidelines. So if an ICE has actually changed their guidelines uh, starting a couple months ago, where they actually issued detailed detainers that hold this guy, we're going to come deport him because XYZ. In those circumstances, the city of the county is like Fulton and San Francisco, they hold the person. ICE didn't do that here. They just used a general detainer a while ago. Hey, we, want, we might be interested in this guy, hold him and we'll, we'll come find out. You can't hold people in America like that. You can't just say, hey, please, hold that guy because we may be interested in him. That's, it's unconstitutional. It violates the Fourth Amendment. No probable cause. So they issue probable cause uh, uh, detainers now. They're held. Now, this, guy's, have you, this guy was interviewed, by the way. This guy gave an interview to Telemundo, David, uh, last night. And he said, um, this is his story, um, at least on the killing. I, I was in a parking lot. I, I think he may be homeless. It's a little unclear. He's clearly mentally unstable. Um, on a park, in a park, he found a gun. He picked it up. It went off and killed her. That, that, that's the story he tells. He, he says, look, I did it. I mean, basically, he owned up to it. I did it. Uh, so he wasn't hiding or anything. Um, so I'm just kind of curious. If ICE knew 
that this guy had been released by San Francisco police and they had a general address, why didn't they go pick him up? Why didn't they go pick him up? Now, what we're unclear, David, this guy's been deported five times, but we don't know what that actually means. And let me explain. When you get deported from the United States, most Americans think ICE has taken you, they've handcuffed you, and they've flown you to your country. That's not necessarily accurate. He may have been stopped at the border four times and just turned around. He may have been physically deported from the country several times. He may have been dumped in a border city uh, instead of taken back to where he was actually from in Mexico, making it much more harder for him to come to the United States. He may have family in the United States. He may have been here since he was two. What we don't have, David, is information. We don't have any details about this. So let's, let's, let's blame ICE for not picking this guy up right away. Uh, he was If he was being held on a actual warrant by San Francisco and he paid his bond, why isn't ICE outside the jail waiting for him if he's that important? I mean, if he's that important. So I will agree with Donald. There is a level of incompetence here by ICE uh, in not doing their job. But at the same time, to say this happens thousands of times, of course, it grows over overreaching. Uh, it's clearly happened enough times that we should have and continue to improve our border security. But we also know, David, that every one of us knows an undocumented immigrant who we think is awesome. So my question is, do we all know the same undocumented immigrant who's awesome? Or is it, in fact, Donald Trump once again overstating and say, yes, there have been a couple bad people to come to the United States, but we know that crime is lower among immigrants, undocumented immigrants, crime is far lower than, than the norm, entrepreneurship is far higher, Family strength is greater. Welfare usage is non-existent because they can't get any. And so what actually is Donald doing here? What is he really doing? Let's talk about it when we come back from the break here on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national. Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Si usted tiene problemas con inmigración o asuntos que tiene que arreglar, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Tenemos más de 50 años de experiencia haciendo las leyes de inmigración y defendiendo a los inmigrantes. Llámenos hoy a las 404-816-8611. A las 404-816-8611 o al www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio. This is the Immigration Hour, uh, perhaps the most listened to uh, immigration news show in the known universe. I mean, I don't know if that's true or not, David, but it sure sounds good on, on radio. It sure sounds good on radio. Um, so addressing a couple of, of the Trump concerns here, uh, these concerns are very interesting because... 
they appear to be taking one directly from the website of the Nativist Center for Immigration Studies and Federation for American Immigration Reform. So, and they, they clearly don't reflect the views of the majority of the Republican candidates, and a lot of them have beaten up on um, uh, on uh, on Trump over this over the last couple of days, including uh, uh, one of my favorite candidates, who is uh, Jeb Bush. Uh, Jeb Bush says he was personally offended. Did you see Donald Trump's response to Jeb Bush's say? He's only upset because he's married to a Mexican. Mr. Trump quickly deleted that. Uh, <laughs> um, now, David, you had mentioned off-air that there was a recent claim by somebody may have been the head of immigration that their hands are tied. I think you're actually thinking of Chris Crane, who is the head of the ICE union, who says this kind of crap all the time, <clears throat> who accuses the uh, administration. This is a guy who works for the government, by the way. He's the head of the union. Attempted to shut down border enforcement and absolutely tied law enforcement's hands. He's been saying this for, for a very long time. But, you know, I'm just curious what they mean by that. Was he recently retired? Because uh, I don't think he's it? retired. This, this, this guy is still the head of the union, but he said the same thing for years. You're saying there's some guy who was recently retired who said this. Yeah, I, um, I, I, where I, did you hear this? Any idea where you heard this? Walking through my house. Walking through your house. Listening news, to the odd the sort of immigration right. show. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, you know, I can't. I mean, there's nothing in the news that I can find that says um, uh, recently retired head of CPB says this because you think it would be be right there. But my question is, how do they feel their hands are tied? What? What? I mean, is is that is that pesky constitution getting in the way? That darn constitution. Why do we have to obey that stupid constitution? People who who come into the country illegally. I think it has to do with the word person that's in the constitution. Since they're actual people, uh, they are, if they're in the country, they're entitled to constitutional rights. Um, but I see a CBP that is more aggressive than ever. I see a CBP that's doing, I frankly think, a much better job that has historically been done on enforcing the border. Uh, I, I see a decreased number of people being detained because a decreasing number of people are coming across the border. Um, we see far fewer Mexicans coming across the border than ever before. Um, uh, really, historically, there are historic lows for undocumented Mexicans coming across the border. And there appear to be more Mexicans going back home than entering the U.S. So I'm curious as to where Trump gets his idea that the Mexican government is kicking out their worst people. It seems to me that lazy people don't walk across the desert. It seems to me that lazy people don't stand outside uh, Home Depot looking for work every single day. It seems to me that lazy people don't save enough money to start businesses and buy houses in the United States. I don't. I, I see these, frankly, in, in some ways opposite of Donald Trump. I think we have gotten the best of foreign countries, whether they've come here uh, legally or without papers. I think some of the best people have come here that way. Uh, and uh, I speak, and I say that because I see it every day. Maybe Mr. Trump's not hanging around with his undocumented workers on the Trump Hotel in Washington D.C., but I I talk to these people every day. I live with these people every day. I work with these people every day. Uh, these are some of the most industrious, principled, honest people I know. Um, and to to lump them all together. I think is going to cause serious long-term damage to the GOP brand. I, I think this is this is Bush's, this is Reince Priebus's, 
Heck, this is even Mike Huckabee's worst nightmare. Uh, to have somebody like Trump who gets all the media attention but is literally an empty suit. Um, to talk like this in a way that cannot be substantiated and cannot be justified it is virtually maybe he maybe he really you know he used to be a democrat you know that right trump for years is registered democrat uh i'm not even sure he's registered republican right now uh, he was an independent for a while but has given far more money to democratic candidates than republican candidates over the years far far more money than republicans to democrats i'm not even sure he's not doing this to get hillary to win is this really a way that he is literally destroying the GOP brand? Any chance the GOP has of, uh, of recovering from the last electoral defeat with Latinos and Asians and African Americans? Is, is this how he's going to do it? Is this how he's going to say, I'm going to put the final nail in the GOP coffin and this way my, my Democratic friend Hillary Clinton's going to win? I mean, David... Is, there's no other logical explanation for talking like this because you can't talk like this to a public that's 65 to 75 percent of your own party favors a path to legality for undocumented immigrants and think you can win the presidency. I, I just don't see how he thinks that's possible unless, and I, you know, David, I'm not a believer in conspiracies, but maybe it's a conspiracy. Maybe this is really Hillary Clinton's secret plan to win the nominate, to win the presidency. Uh, because this virtually guarantees a Hillary Clinton win uh, moving forward. Uh, I was talking the other day to a couple of friends of mine uh, who were undocumented, good friends of mine from church. And I said, Let, suppose today you were a citizen and could vote. Knowing all you know, which party would you belong to? Now, these are typically generally culturally conservative people. Uh, at church, uh, oh, I'd, I'd vote Republicans. I said, even with stuff like Donald Trump's, oh, that, no, well, I'd have to vote for Hillary. I mean, I had no choice, but I would normally be a Republican if they weren't saying stuff like that. So this is, this is the big faux pas that I think senior leadership and Republicans get, but that Trump and people like him, Walker and, and, and uh, Ann Coulter and, uh, um, Who's the clown from uh, Pennsylvania um, who ran for president last time? Um, the former senator. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, uh, Mr. Catholic himself who doesn't think the Pope's right. I mean, I don't think he'd be Catholic. Don't think the Pope. Sanctorum. Sanctorum. I call him Sanctorum. Sanctorum. Um, he, uh, they all are very anti-legal immigration as well as being anti-undocumented immigration, illegal immigration. Uh, yet... They don't bring any solution. Ted Cruz. On Sunday, Ted Cruz is on Meet the Press with Chuck Todd. All right. Uh, you know, now Chuck is, generally speaking, a, a, I think he's a relative moderate as far as NBC is concerned. Um, and he asks a very simple question to Ted Cruz. Okay, I know what your position is on undocumented immigration. I know you want stronger border enforcement. What are you going to do with the $11 million? Cruz then says, oh, we need, to, we need to get stronger border enforcement. And I say, okay, no, I, I got that. I got it. What about the 11 million? Now, once we have border secure, once we have border secure, we can talk about that. I say, okay. Let's assume we have the border secure, and what, do you, what is the plan? Oh, no, you, I can't, you know, that you're trying to get me to commit for a plan when we haven't secured the border. 
And, you know, how are you going to secure the border without, without a plan for the 11 million? You know, they don't have, and that's the big lie. They don't have a plan. They literally think that securing the border, if, as if that were possible without dealing with the interior issue at the same time, without dealing with the pull, you can't stop the push. Because like everything else in life, people will find a way. One of my favorite quotes from uh, the movie's Jurassic Park, life will find a way, from the mathematician, right? Life will find a way. Life always finds a way. People will find a way. People get out of North Korea, right? The most secure border in the world. And they get out of North Korea. Those two clowns got out of the prison, right, up in, uh, up in uh, New York. People will find a way. So we can do a really better job of securing the border if we're attracting far fewer people illegally to the border. Makes it easier to catch those we're trying to get through if there's far fewer of them. If we have a legal immigration system that works, if we solve the problem of the undocumented. David, people like Ted Cruz keep and Donald Trump bring up the issue of the Reagan amnesty. Now, of course, we all know that Ronald Reagan would be kicked out of the GOP in 2016 because he's far too liberal. Um, he promoted and advocated for amnesty. And they're, they're saying, well, because we thought that would solve the problem because we were going to secure the border. Oddly enough, David, Congress never allocated money to the border for security. Congress never allocated money for interior enforcement under the I-9 regime. We simply assumed that the magnet was jobs, and by requiring every employer in America to document the immigration status of every employee, that we would magically not have any magnet for jobs, and therefore the illegal immigration magnet would end. Well, they didn't account for a lack of enforcement under the Bush and Clinton administration and the Bush administrations although uh, uh, Obama's done a far greater job of enforcement in that regard. They, have, they didn't account for the fact that people don't have to be employees to work in the United States. There's this thing called independent contractors. And they didn't account for the fact that we have so many jobs, we need bodies to fill them, and a lot of those jobs are being filled by, people who, by, by, by undocumented immigrants or documented immigrants because Americans don't want those jobs. There was a really interesting statistic that came out recently, David, that the unemployment rate in America is, what, 5.3%, something like that? Um, and during the Obama administration, 12 million jobs have been created. Did you know that, David? 12 million jobs have been created. But that there's a record number of people not in the workforce, something like over 100 million people not in the workforce. Now, my first question about that, I don't even know how that's even possible unless you're counting babies. That's the number I see. Not in the workforce, 100 million people. 300, uh, 330 million to yeah, begin with. It's 303 million people. That means be a third of the, it'd be a third of the population. And we know a third are going to be under under 21. They're not or under 18, or they're not going to work. Or they're gonna, another half at least, another, another probably 70 to 80 million baby boomers like us, David, right? They're, not, they're moving out of the workforce. So really it's only uh, – so there can't be 100 million people out of work with only 50 million working. So it's, an, it's a number that's gerrymandered by these groups that, that hate immigrants. It's that 27 million immigrants have jobs in America today. Now, keep in mind, David, so you know, there are 35, or 30, 35 to 37 million immigrants, non-native U.S. citizens in the U.S. today. And that accounts for 11 million undocumented, along with another 25, 26 million that are legally in the United States. Uh, so of that 35 million, 23 million of them are in the workforce. And I guess the argument from this article, David, was, 
well, if they weren't here, all these Americans would have jobs. Everybody in this room who believes that, raise their hand. Gee, David, nobody's hand is raised. Um, because I think you get it, I get it, most Americans get it. Uh, that, look, there's jobs we're just not going to do. Um, but it's that we need these jobs. I am an advocate, David, for a, a, a stronger and more effective border. But I believe wholeheartedly, based upon my 26 years in the immigration field, that we cannot have a secure and effective border without a secure and effective immigration system. They're tied inextricably together. Let's take a break here on America's Web Radio. We'll be back in just a second on the Immigration Hour. Si usted ha casado con un ciudadano, o tiene problemas con inmigración, o tiene una oferta de trabajo, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Con más de 100 años de experiencia en la ley de inmigración, conocemos la ley y sabemos cómo ayudarle. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611, o visítenos al www.immigration.net. This is Georgia author Doug Dahlgren. Join me Fridays at 11 a.m. for a new show here on America's Web Radio. We call it the Prologue. I'll be introducing you to other writers you may not have heard of yet. That's Fridays at 11 a.m. here on America's Web Radio. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. David, it's really good to be here today. Um, and I love political season. You know, I love politics. David, I love the, the politics of immigration. Uh, and um, we've got lots of candidates out there. And here's what I, here's something that always finds me interesting, David. Uh, immigration's a hot issue, okay? But really, David, we're talking about if, if immigrate if we only talk about undocumented immigrants, we're talking about 11 million people. You mentioned earlier. That we have uh, 300 and what, 305 million people in America. So 11 million out of 300 million is what? Like 0.2%, percent something like that? So really, we're spending all this political time talking about immigration, and we're really talking about 2% of the people. 3% of the people, that's it. What about the other 97%? Do we really think that 2% of the people are having really any effective effect? on the other 97%? Well, I, th- I mean, it's a small issue. So my question to these pol- pol- politicos, one, clearly you have ulterior motives talking about this. Either you want to generate votes or repel votes, one of the two. Um, and Or two, you don't have a plan for anything else. What's your plan for the economy, if any? What is your plan for a, a revised tax system, if any? What is your plan for um, the courts going for, if any? What is your plan for fixing America's infrastructure, if any? They spend, like Trump, all he talks now about is immigration. So he's basically been bottled up into the immigration genie, right? The immigration genie has control over him right now. And he has no other message. He's got nothing else. 
I'm going to be the... Bra-. It's actually what he said. Donald Trump will be the best president in the history of presidents. After which bankruptcy will that happen? <laughs> uh, so I, I, I think um, a lot is being lost for... And if you notice, have the Democrats said word one about this? Really? Or your girlfriend had, no, said a she word. She had word, right? Well, she'd be, she had an interview today, by the way. That's right. Got an interview today on CNN is what I heard. Okay. But has she talked? She, have they responded to Trump? No. Has Bernie Sanders responded? Democrats are really smart here. Let the Republicans eat themselves. It's a feeding frenzy between the media and the GOP. Democrats are extraordinarily silent on this issue. Oh, you might have people saying Trump's an idiot, but they just let, let them eat themselves and let cannibalize the process. And this is how I was, I was explaining to somebody today. I had an interview this morning, David, at immigration. Always fun to go to immigration for an interview. My 8 o'clock interview that started at 8.30 and got over at 9. Uh, and the officer, and I talked to the, the person. She was there She was there to be naturalized. She was getting her naturalization interview. Going to become a U.S. She was very excited. Her husband was there. He naturalized last year. He's very excited about voting for president. And he said, um, well, who do you think, we're waiting for the interview to start, who do you think... Uh, is going to, you know, which, which Republican is going to win the presidency? I said, no Republicans win the presidency. It's not possible. What do you mean? Look at them. They, they all the support. They go, no, 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 And I went, I, of course, I explained to them what we've talked about many times on the show about the demographics. You've got to look at the demographics. And I said, so if, and they're not Latinos, by the way, they're, from, they're from Romanians. I'll say, so let's say you're Latino and the GOP. The whole party is you view as insulting you, your race, and your family. Would you vote for them? Even if you agree with them on 90% of the issue, would you vote? No, I wouldn't vote for them. So who would you vote for? Well, I said, I have to vote for Hillary. Do you like Hillary? No, I can't stand Hillary. But why would you vote for her? Because she doesn't insult my family. Bam. That's why Hillary Clinton will be your next president. So, David, you mark that down. That's my, that's my, that's my prediction going forward. Now, am I going to vote for Hillary? No. No. Are you going to vote for Hillary? Damn, no. That's not going to happen. Your wife going to vote for Hillary? No. I don't know. My wife may or may not. I don't know if she's going to. I probably not. Um, so who's voting for her? The core group of Democrats that are white Americans. Uh, let's say 35 to 38%. Maybe a little bit more. Uh, 90% of, uh, of Asians will vote for her, like before, because they're being insulted to by the GOP. 70 to 75 percent of Latinos would vote for her. She wins enough, and, and, and you know, 80, 90 percent of, of, of African Americans vote for her. Bam, she wins. It's that simple. Even though 65 percent of whites vote for whoever the GOP candidate is, he loses. And I say he because Carly Fiorina is not going to be the candidate. She may be a VP, but she's not going to be the candidate. Although, if I'm the candidate, I'm not going to pick somebody who was fired from their, for their CEO job as my VP. So, she's not going to be a nominee. Uh, so it'll be Hillary versus whichever guy the GOP throws up there, and they're going to lose. And he, he looked at me and he says, that, that makes perfect sense. He says, why doesn't the GOP fix this? Ah, that, that is the question. Why doesn't the GOP fix this? They don't fix it because they can't. The GOP, the, the party, the Republican Party, has no control over who runs for the nomination of the Republican Party, other than the fact they got to be Republicans, which is why I question whether Donald Trump is actually a Republican or not. Um, and they can say stuff like, you know, 
it's not helpful when he talks like this. But really, until the convention, until they have the platform going forward, the GOP can do nothing about this, which means for the next year, David, let's see, the primaries start in January in New Hampshire, right, in Iowa, caucus and then New Hampshire primary. Uh, South Carolina is in February. And then uh, Georgia and the rest of the South are in March. So really by, my guess is by, probably by March, certainly by May, we're going to know who the nominee is. The convention, I think, is in June, May or, late May, early June. And so for the next 11 months, we're going to hear a lot of rhetoric that's going to alienate the very voters the GOP must attract to win and beat Hillary. Have the Clintons ever lost an election? No. Oh, yeah, I guess Hillary. Well, Bill. Had Hillary and... In, in she did in 2008, basically. Oh, yeah. I guess she, she lost the primary. So you lost yeah. the primary. So um, do you think they're prepared this time? You know... You, know, you don't know because she hasn't talked to the press. You don't know how prepared <laughs> she is, but... I, um, uh, I still think... You it's going to come out of immigration? What you, what you say makes sense. However, uh, there's... Reason that she's not talking, and I think the the reason for her not talking is she would shoot herself in the foot. And I, you know, um, I, uh, I, you know, I don't know. I I'm not so sure she's a she's a total shoe in. But I think uh, I think it's for the Republicans to lose. And what you just uh, discussed is. Um, is a is a, is a valid viable sure. view absolutely. I, have you uh, been keeping track and uh, uh, on the Grecian? I have. You know why? Because my son just got back from his honeymoon in Greece. <laughs> well, you know, I had a friend. You know, Greece is only eleven million people. Right. About the same as we have in the in the undocumented or whatever. Right. It's about the same uh, number of people. So my friend said, "Why don't we just adopt them all, put them on welfare? It wouldn't be that big a percentage of our population totally, and then uh, we could we could have a nice place to visit." <laughs> well, we already have places. It's called Puerto Rico. <laughs> well, they're in trouble too. <laughs> yeah, they're in trouble too, because as a non-state, as a territory, they can borrow money. You know, states can't borrow money. States don't borrow money for uh, for bonds. At least Georgia doesn't borrow money, so they have to they have to spend. They have to, they have, to have a balanced budget. But as a territory, they can borrow money, so they're in huge trouble. Um, but here's what's interesting. Uh, one of the, I have a friend on Facebook, and she decided to say things like to support Donald Trump. Well, none of these illegal immigrants pay taxes. <laughs> what? You're clearly not living on the same planet I live on. Are there some who don't pay taxes? No. Because they all pay tax. Anybody who lives in America pays taxes. The question is, do they pay income taxes? Well, many of them do because they're working either under under real or fake Social Security numbers. Uh, others just pay taxes based upon a W-2 and a tax ID number, and some don't pay income taxes at all. But they all pay. We all pay taxes. I mean, like schools. Schools aren't funded by your income taxes. Schools are funded by property taxes. And if you live anywhere other than a park bench. You're going to pay property taxes, so you're paying for the public schools. Um, and uh, But income taxes are used to fund the operation of government. Roads? No, the roads are paid by gasoline taxes. You drive a car, you're going to pay taxes. So everybody pays taxes in America. They might not all pay income taxes, but most of them do. And we know that there is over $80 billion 
in the Social Security uh, Trust Fund, the myth, the myth, mythical trust trust fund, put in there by undocumented immigrants um, in the last several years, uh, who are never going to get their money back. We'll never see that money, and that money's gone. Okay, well then they've given then they contributed to the economy. So eleven million people putting a lot of money back in the case. Now the eleven million, David, too, you have to understand, those are not eleven million adults. I mean, there's probably only about seven to eight million adults. Now the others will be adults one day. But many of these kids came in, over 2 million at this point, came in as children and are going to be eligible for DACA. Uh, they want to go to schools and, and, and get educated. So I want to just shift gears for something and talk about that education thing. Uh, David, as you know, I'm the one suing the state of Georgia on behalf of our 36 DACA students to seek in-state tuition for them. Um, these are kids who otherwise meet our criteria, who have lived the requisite period in Georgia, have graduated from Georgia high schools with sufficient grades to get into our colleges and universities, who, whose parents have been resident in the state for the requisite period of time, who have paid their taxes in Georgia, who meet every other criteria. And David, it's hard to meet the criteria. I will tell you, it's not easy to meet the criteria for institution. Who meet every other criteria other than the fact that they have DACA, or Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. And the Board of Regents, uh, uh, now five, uh, three years ago, determined that DACA was not lawful presence, as that word is used, as requirement to receive in-state tuition in the state of Georgia. And uh, so we sued the state of Georgia. We lost on the issue of sovereign immunity, which means if the king doesn't want you to sue them, the king doesn't have to let you sue them. And we lost at the court superior court on that issue. We lost at the court of appeals on that issue. And not unsurprisingly, the, the Supreme Court of Georgia has taken our case. And yesterday I filed my brief, my opening brief, before the Georgia Supreme Court on the issue of whether uh, these students have a right to sue the Board of Regents under the Georgia Constitution. Now, uh, the reason I argue, uh, we talk about the Georgia Constitution, is it's the Constitution that giveth and the Constitution which taketh away. Uh, the Constitution adopted by the state of Georgia. How old, by the way, do you, do you know how old the Georgia Constitution is, by the way? What? Georgia? Constitution, how old it is? <laughs> it's been rewritten so many times. Exactly. The Georgia Constitution was, the, the one we have now, was written in 1983. So it's only, you know, 30 years old, 30 and change. Uh, and it was updated in 1991, so really it's only about six, 15 years old. And in that 83-91 changes, the state said, the state of Georgia... Is, is immune from suit under the doctrine of sovereign immunity, except as where allowed. And our argument is that the Board of Regents is one of those entities in which we are allowed to sue under, uh, under this theory. Um, now, we may or may not win that lawsuit. I think we should win it. I think the Board of Regents is under the suit. But one of the things that I discovered, David, as I was, because I, I had to read the Georgia Constitution, something I hadn't done since I took the Georgia Bar 26 years ago, um, was we know that the Constitution of Georgia in one clause says sovereign immunity rules, you can't sue us. But there's another very important um, clause in the Georgia Constitution that falls within the, the Georgia Constitutional Bill of Rights. And it's, it parallels one in the, in the federal Constitution. And that's the right of the citizens to what? Redress for grievances. You remember these words from the Constitution. Redress for grievances, right? What does that mean, to redress for grievances against the government? Sue them. That's what it means. So there is this conflict, at least from my point of view, in saying you can't sue us 
in what we call a declaratory judgment action. All because I'm not asking for damages. I'm not asking for my kids to be paid or anything. All I'm asking for is the right for them to pay in-state tuition. And part of my theory is the Constitution of Georgia says in one of the earlier clauses, redress for grievances, and in a later clause, you can't sue us unless we say so, that that's conflict. And the, the earlier Bill of Rights clause rules over any other clause in the Constitution. That's my theory. Let's take a break here on our final break on today's episode of the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Soy Charles Cook, el jefe del grupo de abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Estoy en su lado. Con más de 20 años de experiencia con la ley de inmigración, conozco cómo ayudarle. Sé la ley y sé que alguna gente podemos ayudar. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611. A las 404-816-8611. O visítenos en el internet. www.immigration.net Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national. Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. David, welcome back. Welcome back to our listeners to America's Web Radio, the Immigration Hour. David, this is probably your most listened to podcast on this station, isn't it? No, probably not. But uh, uh, but there are other shows on on America's Web Radio. Yeah, you came in third. There is a real garden show on, on America's Web Radio, which is where there used to be a chicken show. Is that still on your on your website? Did you take it down from the website? That was a good chicken show. Uh, I would love to have chickens. My wife won't let me have chickens. But um, it's great to be here on the show today, David. And I, you know, we've had a rec- I think I've done this show many weeks in a row now without a skip. Um, and it uh, looks like I'll be here a whole month, so we'll be wow. many live shows. Uh, if uh, We have a lot of listeners out there. If you think you would like to be on the show as a guest, we'd love to have you talk about immigration. Uh, you're welcome to do that. Just give me an email. Email me or call me. Uh, my email is uh, ccook at immigration.net, ckuck at immigration.net. We'd love to have you. I have some plans for some guests coming up. Uh, problem is one of the guests I want to have, uh, David, is on the West Coast. Um, and I hate to make him wake up at 6, 6.45 in the morning to be on our show. Um, but maybe I'll just make him do that. Maybe he just won't even go to bed. We, we do a show from Portland at uh, 9 o'clock. Oh, do you? So they're up bright or, and early uh, in the morning. 10 o'clock. I'm so sorry. they're up bright and early in the morning. Yeah. So uh, I think um, I think we're going to try to do that. But if any of you like to be on the show, I'd love to have you. Uh, we love, as you know, we love debating. And, and people probably get tired of me and David talking. So uh, as we go forward... It, Come on up. We're going to have a lot to talk about, particularly as the election heats up. Now, David, you, you said something really interesting there, break that I, I find that I find true. That a lot of the objection, some of the objection that you've heard that I've heard of immigrants is they're going to come here and they're going to have a lot of kids and are going to take over America. Well, that that's true. I mean, let's the re, the demographic reality is America is becoming, and the projected like is 2053. We will no longer be a white majority country. Okay, we'll be a minority, minority, minority majority country. Not one minority, but all non-whites and whites. 
I personally don't have a problem with that because here's what I see. I see a Americanization of everybody who comes here. Now, the fun part about being at the church that I'm at, David, is uh, we do our services for the congregation, moms, dads, kids, in Spanish. But when we break out to Sunday school, David, the moms and dads classes are in Spanish. And in what language are the kids' classes? It's English. English. And it's remarkable how many of these kids, how terrible their Spanish is. Many of them can talk, but they have no idea how to read and write Spanish. They just don't have any idea. And it's fun to kind of go over with them. And I see them, and I'll give you a great example. This Sunday, David, we had what we call a linger longer after church. So we had our church services, and after church we had a potluck. People brought food. And the theme this month was patriotism or patriotic food. And I said, look, it's July 4th. It's America Day. I'm going to bring hot dogs. I'm going to bring potato salad. I'm going to bring watermelon. And I'm going to bring cookies, chocolate chip cookies. But July is also a month of other countries' independence, other countries' celebration. Bring the food from your country that you love the most. So we had some arepas from El Salvador. We had three different types of mole from Mexico, which, by the way, was awesome good. Um, you have to ask, which food disappeared the first and fastest? The hot dogs. The hot dogs did, because the kids ate all the hot dogs. Now, here's the fun part, David. You know what's really good on a hot dog? Mole. Yeah. Dude, I, had not, I just thought, why, why am I putting ketchup on my hot dog? I'm going to put mole on my It was awesome. I just started a new trend. Mole hot dogs. The the Mexicanization of American hot dogs. Did you eat 62 of them and win the I did not do that. I did have two, though. But the kids assimilate. The kids become American. And if you don't believe that, you are smoking dope. You're not in American high schools, which are filled with immigrant kids. And you see these kids being Americans. It is really remarkable, David. It happened with my dad. My dad, although he was born in America, his parents were immigrants. His first language was German. And by the time he passed away, he spoke no German. But German was his first language. I mean, he spoke to his mom and dad in German until he went to school. And then he was Americanized. And he became an American. He served in the American military. I mean, my dad loved America. Uh, And that's what I see with these kids. And the sad part about it is so many of them that aren't born here, that are brought here as children. I had one come in the other day. I asked, she, she, she talked like this. She was from down by my Vidalia. She talked like, like this. I said, where were you born? She said, I was born in Mexico. <laughs> How old were you came here? I was, two, I was two months old when my mom brought me here. <laughs> two months, really, an accident of birth. And she is as American as apple pie. She had ponytails. She had ponytails, and there's a, a young Mexican woman with ponytails. We had ponytails. She truly was Americanized. So this idea they're going to come and take over our country? No. Actually, what happens is America takes over them. And you don't lose your culture. Although, you know, for example, St. Patty's Day. Does anybody celebrate St. Patty's Day in America? Yeah, every, every American celebrates St. Patty's Day. Cinco de Mayo. America celebrates Cinco de Mayo. Columbus Day. Yeah, not many. Not many people celebrate. Outside of New York, nobody celebrates Columbus Day. Um, but we bring these traditions, and we Americanize them. We can. But I saw a very funny YouTube video last week, David. What if Mexicans celebrated July Fourth uh, 
the same way Americans celebrate Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> oh, that'd be like a very funny video, by the way, a very funny video. Uh, we Americanize everything, and they become Americanized. This idea that people don't assimilate is a myth. People assimilate quickly and rapidly. Uh, so, I mean, I loved your point, David, because I think it's really where a lot of anti-immigration sentiment comes from. But when you look at the reality of it, when people that believe that way also have a friend, an employee, somebody who works for them that's undocumented, I want you to help Jose because Jose is special. He's a friend. I don't care about the rest of these illegals out there, but you've got to help Jose and his wife Maria because they are salt-of-the-earth people. That's who we need here. Not the, well, I don't know if you know this or not, but they are like the rest of the people out there. They, they are a lot like that. They're identical to a lot of those people. And again, we get to the point where, David, there's only one thing that can fix this. And it's not the president of the United States. Barack Obama is not going to fix this problem by executive order. Although, stay tuned on Friday, David. Big day on Friday. We'll talk about it next Tuesday, the oral arguments on Friday on the, on the, on the case. We talked about my disappointment in last week's show about that. We'll talk about more about that next Monday, next Tuesday on our show. But only Congress can fix this. So who runs Congress? The people? No, the people don't run Congress. Do giant corporations run Congress? Closer to the fact. Do elites run Congress? Even closer to the fact. And of course, politicos run Congress. So this week, John Boehner, in a speech, said that immigration reform is so important, it's at the top of his agenda. Do you know where he gave that speech? Dublin, Ireland. <laughs> Why? Because he can safely give it in Dublin, Ireland, and nobody cares. He comes over here to America, and he says it on the floor of the, of the United States Congress, of the House of Representatives, and the tail wags the dog off the floor. Because the anti-immigrationists and isolationists and the nativists don't want to hear that. Boehner knows what he has to do to win the next election, although Boehner himself is going to be reelected. That's the, I mean, he's in a safe seat. And he knows the GOP is going to win the next election in Congress. The GOP will control the House. We talked about that last week as well. So he's not worried about it. So why doesn't he? Why will he talk about it in Ireland? You know why? Because the Irish Prime Minister asked him about it. This issue is very important to the Irish people. Why? Because there are hundreds of thousands of undocumented Irish in America. Hundreds of thousands of undocumented Irish in America. We tend to think of undo- like Donald Trump. Maybe, but is, my question to him is, is Ireland sending us the worst of their people to? Or just Mexico? This is why people hate on Donald Trump for being a racist. Because he, doesn't, he uses Mexico as a slur. He uses Mexico in a derogatory way. And yet, the issue is not necessarily Mexico. It's all countries around the world. And are Mexico really sending their worst people here? No, they're not. Their best people are leaving because they don't feel they can progress in their country. Or they're truly afraid in their country. Yeah, Donald Trump may not be a racist. But the things he says sound that way. They sound that. Now, they might not sound that way to everybody, but much like the Confederate flag, David. The Confederate flag to certain people means heritage. It means celebrating where they're from, that their ancestors stood against an oppressive federal government. But for many other people, 
the Confederate flag means slavery and fighting to retain slavery. Now, however you view the war of northern aggression or the recent unpleasantness, or as the rest of the world knows it, the Civil War, you have to be certain to know that it was really only about one thing, and it was about keeping slavery in the southern states, period. That's what that war was about. And you could paint history however you want it, but that's what that war was about. It might not have been why soldiers were fighting, and I don't think it was why, because very few people owned slaves. The vast majority of the Southerners didn't own slaves. They fought, they were, many of them may have been fighting for states' rights. But that war was about slavery. And that's, that's quite clear. Now, our show's almost over for today, David. I didn't want to get into a Confederate flag battle today. Uh, but it, it goes back to the same issue. You have a lot of rhetoric, and the press does this all the time. The press thrives. They get viewers. They get people to read their websites. They get people to re- buy their papers on controversy. There's that great Anne Murray song. Uh, what would happen if there was no bad news? What would happen if there were no killings? What would happen if there were no wars? What would the press report? Boy Scout helps old lady across street. Who's going to buy a newspaper to read that? Nobody. So the press, the media feeds in to the, to the let's call it, what, what did Goldwater call them? The nattering, na- nattering nabobs of negativism. They feed into that. And they get viewership from it. And people like Ted Cruz and, uh, uh, and Donald Trump and Scott Walker and Rick Santorum, they feed on that stuff. And they get attention from that. But, David, I am truly waiting for a real leader to emerge. And let's see what happens over the next, over the next several weeks uh, as, as more, more politicians get in the race. They have been a good show this week. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope the listeners have enjoyed it. We'll be back next Tuesday with a rundown of how good or how bad the lawyers did in the uh, lawsuit on DAPA in the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals to be heard 10 a.m. this Friday morning in Nuevo Orleans in Louisiana. Until next week, this is Chuck Cook, your host of the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio.